I've been looking forward to this since it has been conceived. So, so we'll get an intro out, but then, uh, then it sounds like Justin's got Justin's got some plans, <laughs> and I'm very excited for that. So, um, let's pull down to my date that I announced when this issue was coming out. Okay. Quarantine, everybody. Uh, the episode where we talk about Batman 668, which was released August 22nd, 2007. I am always, I'm Jeff Figley, joined by two of my favorite people at the same time. Oh, I'm Roman. <laughs> and I, and, and coincidentally enough, I get to join two of my favorite people at the same time. Goosh. Goosh. <laughs> <laughs> I am Justin, and I am also here on this three-man buddy bus. This, uh, this Batman in quarantine Hydra that we're riding, riding the serpent till the end. It's like Jim Morrison should be doing some sort of acid-induced sh- shamanic statement uh, on top of all of us beginning this serpent ride. That's just Batman. He's That's doing right. the, <laughs> yeah. the psychedelic shamanic serpent ride. Um, so, as always, this is written by Grant Morrison. The art in this issue is done by J.H. Williams III, and I'm just so incredibly happy to be reading J.H. Williams III art because there's not enough of it in the world. Agreed. I just Agreed. Got, I got to saw, see Roman uh, make a pee shiver in a bathrobe. So for everyone not getting oh. the video feed of this, <laughs> I, I apologize. I, I, and, and, well, part of it was I have a shiver because we're doing this now, and... J.H. Williams reminded me I've got for the uh, the next Infinity Content podcast that we're recording Sunday or something. We're reading Batwoman Elegy, J.H. Williams. <laughs> so oh. I got all this J.H. Williams Bat Weekend. Nice. That's Hell not a yeah. bad way to go. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is part two of the three-part Black Glove storyline that introduces essentially the the large threat of this whole run um, in this little three-issue arc. And in this one, you get everybody's still on the island and some more murders happen. And, uh, and then we're going to wrap up with the final issue after this. I'm curious, before we get too far in, Roman, we pointed out on the previous episode that this storyline is inspired by Agatha Christie's uh, And Then There Was No One, which is a similar oh, yeah. type of murder mystery. And I imagine yeah. that you're the kind of guy who has a familiarity with that. Yeah, and then there was none. Yeah. Um, I've never read it, but I've seen a couple like stage productions of it. Mm. Yeah. And, and, or maybe a. Yeah, you have. And there's probably a movie. <laughs> I think you're thinking of Clue, the movie. Oh, yeah. I do love that. He's doing that <laughs> all the time. Um, yeah. And what was, and what was your, what was your, uh, your parallels oh no parallels i just like i read that and justin and i talked very briefly about it for just a second on the previous episode like oh this is based on a thing and and i got the impression neither of us knew much about it and then uh, upon perusing today knowing you were going to be on i was like well (laughs) i bet someone's seen a couple stage plays of this (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah and it's it's, yeah it's such a classic setup you know trapped in a trapped in a 
you know, one place. Nobody can get off, and they're slowly dropping. Nobody knows why or how. Which is the opposite of Roman in quarantine, which is yeah. kept in one place with no ability to get off. <laughs> <laughs> this whole thing kind of stunk a Roman the minute I started reading it. You know? Yeah. Even the very, like, slights and maybe only in my imaginary Scooby-Doo undertones kind of reeked a Roman, too. Um, we did talk briefly about the different Batman of all nations, the, the Club of Heroes, in the, the previous episode. But I am excited to have you on board for that, because not only do I imagine you've read all of the individual issues where these people uh, first appeared. I bet you have a favorite. But Justin, is this a good segue time? Oh, yeah. Talk <laughs> of, uh, because I've got, you've got something for the group. Oh, yeah. Speaking of Roman stench, um, I couldn't help but read Roman into these Club of Heroes as a character. Um, and since then, that entity, because we all know, if you've listened to the other podcast, Roman is nothing but if not a living mythology that sometimes we get to channel. Like I, I get direct visions of the whole kind of story of Roman's life told mythopoetically. Uh, and I decided that there's a character in here that we all need to think about being in the room is the Night Mariner. Roman, oh. Roman's uh, like sailor fisher persona. And he, he's, he's got like his Roman beret and his like thin one line domino mask and he's got just like a big bag of fish and he fights with a salmon and then he's got like straps on his boots that he puts fish on and he slides across like building tops on like wet fish um and he's like the son of a rich restaurateur that opened the first like thing in gotham city akin to like uh salmon or no no skippers sorry like fish and chips all of his hideouts are in fish and fish and chip restaurants um abandoned fish and chips restaurants yeah that, like went out of business unfortunately so he has this like vendetta against <laughs> wait wait i guess wait is he a hero or a villain he's a hero he's a club okay. of, he's a club of heroes character that's like you know nautically themed because there's something that's so the sea with roman right and so like even his uh his sidekick is uh gulligan who is like a seagull uh, a seagull-based character who is like a child TV star who was kidnapped and thrown on an island that's a lot like Battle Royale. It's like Gulligan's Island, because we all know Roman fucking loves Gulligan's Island, and I won't hear anything yeah. else, Roman. Yeah. You, you say you've never seen <laughs> I, I it? Do. I do. Like, oh, no. okay, I've right. seen every episode. Good so yeah, God. It's The Night Mariner and Gulligan, so it's like this little kid who Justin was once just a child Babe star. Ruthed that shot, just like pointing <laughs> yeah. out like Justin yeah. or Roman loves Gilligan's Island. Yeah. Um, and I have to imagine that the very first... Wait, did, do we have a restaurant name? It's not Skipper's. Did, did no. You? So I whatever the, the salmon equivalent of this Gotham Skipper's is, I imagine the inaugural location was built in Crime Alley, but because of the criminal uh, <laughs> element, it failed miserably. So, like, he has this agenda where he needs to clean up crime so that his parents' fish and chips restaurant will be able to thrive. That's awesome. Um, I know... A thing I know about this Night Mariner is that he has, uh, like, villains that are sea-themed, like the Siren Sisters, who are, like, a, a, a three-part, like, jazzy club singer by, by day, but by night they're, like, a evil, evil set of sirens that sing and pull people to rocks and kill them. So he fights the Siren Sisters. Um, well, let their beautiful songs lure you into a salty <laughs> depths. <laughs> exactly. Does he have some sort of like special weapon that is based on the ancient marinara? I, 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 well, I do. One of my favorite moves is the sockeye. 
where I hit you, <laughs> somebody right in the face, right across the eyes with a real, with a five pound sockeye. I love it's very that. effective. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course, with and of course with Golgan, you know, we leap in the battle doing stanzas from Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Gotta, gotta yeah. rhyme of the yeah. ancient mariner. Okay, so then Roman, as a Club of Heroes member yourself, can you give us um, <laughs> this issue? Picks up <clears throat> where uh, the the Roman centurion character, the legionnaire, I think, um, yeah, had just been murdered, and it ultimately ends right after um, Nightwing's spader, what wing wingman. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> murder mysteried here but uh what, can you tell me your thoughts on these club of hero characters do you got a favorite do you have a least favorite do you, how'd you feel about all this i love that morrison brought these guys back and and played up the whole thing on how batman was they're all resentful a little bit because batman never really hung out with them because they're all so goofy um the batman of all nations and i and i meant to look it up because i don't know some of these guys first showed up in the 50s or whatever, but I think some of them are probably Morrison creations. There, I believe, I believe all of them are, are not original creations, things that existed beforehand. I actually got all of the individual issue um, numbers. I'll pull oh, that right. up while you're talking here. Okay, yeah, because I know, I know like the Man of Bats and his sidekick, they're, they're pre-Morrison, and so is Knight and Squire, and... and uh, I don't know if Wingman is. I assume he is. What yeah, about he like, had a night guy? Like night, edgy night guy. The one with the rocket pack? No, the the one that like kind of looks like an arcade character or something. Like, like Yeah, Wingman guy. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, with yeah. the red visor? Yeah. Al Gaucho's been around before. Yeah, and I really, really like Al Gaucho. Yeah, Gaucho, Gaucho's awesome. I, I assume the the Cavalier. No, it's not the Cavalier. That's a Batman villain. The the Three Musketeers type one, the Musketeer one. I don't know. Yeah, he's from Legends of the Dark Knight, I think. Yeah, they most of them had made appearances in the fifties, um, and they had like the Native American one had, and um, I believe the like the jetpack guy and the the rapier guy and Gaucho had maybe one or two haven't, but um, I have a book out in the living room that I could grab that, that talks about. It. And then it all, all sort of even Mayhew was a character that had existed. Oh, um, really? Yeah, and then it did all culminate in ultimately um, him gathering these people together. And then this sort of like club Batman of all nations and then being changed the name to the club of heroes. So it is kind of astounding to me that all of this existed beforehand feeding into the thesis statement of this whole run of just sort of, I can make it all work. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that he gave, and it's, it's only a few issues, but he gave each of the guys pretty distinct personality. You know, I like that man of bats, the way he is and serious and, and seems pretty capable and his sidekick is an angry teenage young man. <laughs> he fleshed him out a lot more than they were done before. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty incredible that he was able to give them all such sort of distinct, basically histories from the eighties and nineties, you know, like the falling out sort of the things that happened, like the rapier, the musketeer guy accidentally killed a guy and had to go to jail and, you know, got escaped and then got rich. And yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. I really liked how the first four three or four pages of this are um, a flashback sequence to hmm. 12 years ago in story, but to the sort of that club of heroes meeting. And yeah. I think this was, this was the first time I had ever seen the effect of pseudo aged pages. And it confused me. Like this was, you know, getting back into comics as an adult, this really uh, confused the shit out of me. 
because I not realizing that artists can so you know cohesively vary their artistic styles I was like okay so are these actually pages from the 60s that have been put in here and now we're sort of like you know, doing a meta art experiment of then adding story outside it. Yeah, God, just, that would be I, awesome. I mean, this is awesome too, just the fact that he can change his style. But that idea, that's cool. Yeah, I had, and I just really had no idea. So the way that he fluidly goes into that style, and I guess, you know, we talked a little bit on the previous episode about how each character really is kind of drawn to exhibit a different artist's style, particularly like Gaucho being Chaken-esque or Knight and Squire having a real strong like McGinnis vibe. Um, to see all of those art styles interplay on the one page at a time, like you get these shots of Batman who's like watercolor in shadows and gorgeous, but then in the same panel, El Gaucho will still be there and he'll have the like chicken mustache of the scribbly lines or we'll have Gaucho next to the Musketeer character and they're drawn, like both have mustaches, both very differently drawn mustaches. It's, right. yeah. it's yeah, crazy. I was, I was actually looking for the credits because I was, that fooled me enough. I was like, wait, did he have like guest artists come in and draw certain characters like in in that style i really <laughs> like all him oh yeah sorry. i really like how batman is drawn like hypo realistically like he's way more rendered than the other characters like he's almost the original or proto character like he's a little bit more real than these oh, other characters i like that take on it you're right like the cape kind of reminds me of the tim burton bat capes like kind of leathery with the way that the yeah. light is cast on it but yeah that's yeah. that's almost a, a a really interesting take on it this sort of here's the the epitome the progenitor character the the realistic painting and then everybody else is almost like a era of comic tributary off of him like a shadow of him um, yeah and that's just like curious because i don't really think that that's intentional but it reads in the way that sometimes art makes more sense unintentionally um like the whole book kind of has like a you know we're we're dealing in outside of this story the three batman all the permutations of batman's life and all the choices he makes like there's kind of subtle multiverse theory throughout this thing and yeah so you see you know these are all the other variants of what batman what the batman is i really uh enjoyed the tim stuff in this like there's the scene where they're kind of going to investigate uh the the murder of the centurion character and tim is is sort of like well why why you wanted to do this you just wanted to see what rich people do all day which I think is an interesting comparison that Batman is curious what rich bored people do because it's sort of drawing this line between him and other rich bored people, which is sort of like he, he considers himself outside of that because he's got this purpose. It's an interesting sort of like, why are you separating yourself from them? But I, I also, I, I read that as because Batman remembered he's experimenting on trying to be a person. I felt like this was like a study to be like, okay, how am I supposed to act? Oh, yeah. Like, what is it that Bruce Wayne do? Yeah, the almost like the imposter syndrome or the like sort of like, okay, I can figure out how to be a person. Right. I really liked how when uh, Robin's talking about them, he says the League of Losers and Batman says something, but then after that he says, and you're being unfair. El Gaucho is a well-respected crime fighter in Argentina. Even the Legionary was great once. I like that within Batman, he does have respect for all of these characters, even though him departing from the league of heroes is what has sort of cast a shadow over the whole group 
this idea that he's kept tabs on them and has a respect for all of these people i thought was like batman would do that he wouldn't write people off that do you know have a skill or something to offer yeah Yeah, i thought that was really cool because it would be easy to be like wow these guys are all in my shadow (laughs) yeah batman batman ain't like that we also get a gorgeous shot of batman's boot breaking down a door and they have the like bat logo you know is like as traction onto the base of the boot which is just like classic i think my favorite uh in this story my favorite um club of heroes members are squire el gaucho and and the australian guy whose name i can't remember yeah the night the night ranger like night the, ranger yeah, yeah. The, the ranger character who then just added the word night to it or something like yeah. that so to make himself more spooky a, a key moment that happens in here is that night is off looking around and that flashback sequence that opens it up is we know that the night now was squire originally and his dad has died um, but at some point he saw his dad try to engage in an argument with the legionary and uh, Mr. Mayhew. So that has thrown a lot of suspicion onto Knight now from the club of heroes as to the murder of the legionary. Um, and it also kind of shows that Mayhew's a little bit of an icky character. Like maybe he was having an affair. Like he's not, just this nice guy who wanted a couple of heroes. Like he's yeah, got his own intentions. We didn't really get closure to what night, night comes in the, the original night. And he's like, I have some bad news about Mayhew or something. And then we don't get to hear exactly what happened, but he's maybe responsible for the death of somebody. Yeah. yeah he's kind of, kind of like a Max Lord type. Yeah. With the Super yeah. team. What I thought was really interesting is that as they're, you know, looking through the house and Batman finds the room where the legionary died and put blood on the, or chicken finger grease on the, <laughs> the screen of where they assume the murder had happened. But uh, Knight got accosted by somebody in a dark room, forced to swallow something. And it turns out that it was a bomb, which is exactly how his father had died. And I think an interesting part of this issue is that they start spouting out different theories about how they're being threatened by essentially the arch nemesis of each of these villains. We've got the sombrero who creates the death traps. And then we've got um, several others as well uh, that, that are brought up here. And we don't get a real cohesive idea of who is behind it, but there's sort of a little bit of reason to believe that like uh the musketeer guy here is, you know, it's like the trade work of my old adversary, Pierrot Lunier, um, or the blue scorpion is in there. So they haven't like collected all this ephemera from different uh, opponents of this club of heroes. Right. Yeah, and, that was, and, and that was really cool. Cause that's, again, that's like the Agatha Christie story. Cause they're each, there's all these little um, um, red herrings that could be that add to the mystery. Like, well, this person and all these strange deaths and, and I love those pulp touches, like the blue scorpion with the yeah. panel when he hold, uh, El Gaucho holds it up on the end of his knife, and it's it's a little mechanical blue scorpion. <laughs> it's beautifully done. Yeah. yeah, that is a gorgeous shot. That's a really cool art change on the scorpion. It's a little bit different than the other art. It looks a little more like cartoony and chunky. I don't know why he chose to do that, but I really like that the way the scorpion looks at the final panel on that page. It also like gives the illusion that they really don't know if they're fighting one or many people, like what if they're fighting the their collective legion club of villains? Yeah. Like maybe yeah. we're yeah. being attacked by, you know, each one of our own villains have teamed up against us. Uh, 
I imagine that would be a pretty good fear tactic. Like you don't really know. We saw one guy, but all these people are dying in ways that know us too. Like Centurion got killed in the style of uh, Julius Caesar. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like these people know who we are. They know our mythos, and they know like they're they know enough about us to threaten us, which would be bookie. Pretty bookie. I like <clears throat> even through the flashback that happens in this issue, and then carried on um, as as Cyril, right? Cyril is knight, and Beryl is squire. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, barrels, yeah, yeah. squire, yeah. Okay, so Cyril, when he's a boy and he starts that, like, he, he witnesses that fight that happens. I like that Red Raven at that time, or, or just Raven at the time, is sort of like, that's just adult stuff. Let them do their mm-hmm. own thing. There's this weird camaraderie between the youth that are there as a byproduct, and then that carries forward to when Tim and Beryl are exploring uh, the the island looking for the room where the murder happened. And there's just a really great sequence of, like, sidekicks talking to each other and i really like this idea that there is that that does something to your personality that does something to your ego like you know being a sidekick and it makes a lot of sense that there would be this silent camaraderie between that that you know is rife for relationships to be explored i I really liked that part yeah that was really cool i like how they like are looking out for each other yeah roman did you read the knight and squire miniseries from like six years ago i think it happened not too long after this arc happened i think paul cornell wrote it maybe yeah yeah that sounds right yeah it was shortly after after the story arc um gotta hate this. this is often my response yes i did read it don't remember anything about it yeah working at a comic shop for your entire <laughs> life is it's hard to remember yeah the small six I, I know i liked it but yeah. i can't tell you what happened <laughs> It's just like, it's highly acclaimed. I've heard it talked about on a lot of podcasts or a lot of websites. It is a really, it, yeah, it's, I might even have the issues back home. Like I, I'm pretty sure I started getting it because I like night. Yeah. And I remember, and, and, and I remember hoping that they would show up more in the future and they haven't really. <laughs> we get them a little bit in the Batman and Robin stuff, I believe. Yeah. Two yeah. issues. Yeah. Oh, okay. And yeah. you may even see them in ink. Oh, I bet we do. Yeah, you're right. Hey, yeah, that's another. Sorry, please. Yeah, you're. Oh, sorry. I was just going to ask Roman: Is uh, Beryl and Cyril or Cyril are those names from like Shakespeare or some Good other point. kind of fol- folkloric historical um, thing? If anyone uh, would know, it would be you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they were ever used in Shakespeare or whatever, but they're you know they're they're, I think, fairly common um, British names. Okay. Okay. okay yeah, nice. that's that's a. Do really... they like fish and chips? <laughs> any decent person does of course <laughs> that's true that's true it's a sock eye to the face there was some there was some dragon i never saw it but i think there was some children's show or or a comic book in the uk with that had like a dragon whose name was cyril <laughs> cyril and the big fish and chips uh-huh. <laughs> cyril the goal of doom the big fish and chip <laughs> um let's see here what else happens in this issue worth there's the gorgeous gorgeous like yeah people die the gorgeous jh <laughs> williams the third sort of like one page descends into just like a bat wing with panels in the bat wing and then there's the double page spread of just a bat silhouette with a giant glove that you know inside the glove depicts batman and then all of the bat wings are like panels that you know it's it's a really interesting i don't know if it was the the easiest panels to discern exactly what happened, but it's one of the most beautiful Batman pages I've ever seen. So you take what you can get. It is. And studying the, that 
double page spread. It's the sequence of action through the wings is amazing. And it's all the it's all the great cliches of this kind of stuff. I mean, Robin and Squire are in a hallway with like suits of armor that are coming to life and attacking them, and then I have to like pull underneath the yeah. closing a closing iron door. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, and uh, throughout all of this, like black and red is heavily on display as a color motif. So that's, you know, from the Clown and Midnight issue. Since mm. moving forward, we've seen this black and red and this checkerboard pattern um, consistently explored. I think that in Grant Morrison's mind, it probably is a more cohesive metaphor than to the reader at this point. But we are able to at least see that there's stuff happening. Yeah, I, uh, you know, the times that I've gone through it in the past, haven't noticed how much the black and red theme permeates. As we move on through the story, they slowly start to tell you more, like, hey, this is important. But it's crazy how how it's kind of throughout the whole run. You know, every issue has got some ode to it at some point. Yeah. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, two things just in the final three pages. The final page, much like the final page of the previous issue, diverts stylistically from anything we've seen in the issue so far. And it's just this, like, really vague watercolor like reminds me of the heart of darkness or like vietnam or something for like sure the red sun and it, it's pretty astounding yeah it made me think of <clears throat> um of uh Sienkiewicz or dennis cohen you know that kind of something seeing the question uh one of those books it's just yeah. it's beautiful and, and jarring because it's so different yeah, and it's haunting, haunting. Yeah, yeah yeah it is it's yeah. it's 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 ooky and then right before that, we hit one final like big murder in this issue, and it is Wingman, who is the one who had, in the kind of cool mechy Batman suit, who had trained with Batman and has clearly a chip on his shoulder towards Batman. And reading it this time, I had, you know, I really forgot about the flow of all of this. So I was like, oh dang, I thought he was involved somehow, and or like that his resent towards Batman. Uh, resentment was going to somehow factor in in a larger way and then he gets ousted you know in issue two of three in this gorgeous almost like astro city-esque like combination of a shot of him or like kind of reminded me of a watchman yeah for sure uh, it's a nine panel grid with this otherworldly double page glove going through you know two pages worth of nine panels creating its own uh internally consistent image that is sort of beneath the nine panel grid but still coherent above the image within the nine panel grid of like the the retro wingman image it's it's just like a really interesting art style i yeah it's pretty and it's a pretty amazing page we gotta show this page to django <laughs> yeah because um, yeah like you say the, the the hand the black glove hand panel is underneath the gutters of the nine panel page but it's mm-hmm. over the image within the nine panel. It's really cool. It's really kind of jarring to look at too, to find where the glove kind of, where the scene in the glove ends and begins within the like texturing of, of the glove itself. Yeah. I also like, like we see, you know, wingman looking all bright and goofy in the past. And now he's this totally, well now dead, but bitter <laughs> jaded. And you see the two juxtaposed, like there's happy wingman back in the day when before, like, he realized he's in Batman's shadow and now this like 80, 80s, 90s version of him that's all like and pissed off and bitter is now dead. It's it's a cool juxtaposition. Yeah, and, and yeah. 
even his uh, wingman's like old classic happy face there in the in the sky contrasted with his. I guess he was canged and electrocuted because he's yeah he's hanged but also all burned up and, and it's ugh. it's it's some type of gas that melts the flesh or something mm, yeah. I, I forget exactly how they, they explain it off but yeah you know to both of your points exactly like it is such a mesh of different artistic styles that are sort of all typical of a specific type of time or tone and and to combine them in this certain way is it's you know it i i really think that these three issues and the batwoman elegy you know thing that you're working on getting ready for your other podcast roman is like it's some of the most incredible art i've ever i've ever seen yeah yeah it's almost hard to digest it's like so good and complex and there's so many layers and things going on it's like it was almost kind of jarring or nauseating to read at first i totally agree like his art uh, I have a hard time appreciating. Yeah, this one's a little bit more grounded, but like you look at like Promethea or like Sandman Overture, like his body of work, even some of the Batwoman stuff later on, like every page is such an incredible piece of art. I don't know whether to like appreciate it for its holistic artistic value or as a piece that's carrying a narrative. For sure. Yeah, they all, t- they all take longer to read because you spend so much time absorbing it all and going back and kind of, Re, reabsorbing it right when when i was like 18 and reading this and when like batwoman came out uh, i initially really didn't like his art because it was just like too much for my little brain to understand like i couldn't understand what was going on or track the narrative all because i just had this very like narrow idea of what i wanted out of comics and mm-hmm. what art should be well not should be but like what i thought art was the art that i liked was very kind of limited to what I had been exposed to. And this was like so new and so challenging, you know, to what I thought could be done with comics that I was initially like, like sometimes people are when exposed to novel things are like, whoa, no, that's bad. Get that yeah. away. You know, cause it was it challenged the way I had to read comics, you know, it made me disorientated. So I love yeah. it now, but it's crazy to think like at 18 years old, I was like, Oh, I hate that. Yeah. You know, because yeah. it was just, it was too much. It was too good for me. You know, it was, it challenged my perception of what art is, you know? Yeah. Interestingly, that's just kind of uh, what Justin and I have kept coming back to in, in reading this is that um, we really were thrown into the deep end of comics, you know, with this run of like kind of ha- having this respect for it and kind of needing to climb climb out of a, a hole of ununderstanding to a, a place of understanding with it. So it's a really interesting. I think our standpoint versus like Romans who like, you know, had been reading forever, you know, since the dawn of time, the DOT and, and, you know, getting this was probably jarring. Cause I still think even as a monthly comic, it's still unusual for the times. Yeah. I remember the monthly comics being, being, of course, and sometimes this just happens with Morrison, but, um, having to go back and reread the previous issue because, you know, a month passes and you're like, wait, what's, how do I pick up this visual narrative thread again? (laughs) Yeah. Roman, were you surprised at all by this run or have you just been reading comics so much that every like rabbit he pulled out of the hat you've already seen before? You're just like, oh, I know. Oh, no, I I was surprised. I mean, I I was surprised at so many of those rabbits from the past that he was using and using so well. They weren't just, they weren't just, 
cute little nods going, oh, look, there, there's, there's Bathound, la, la, la. Right, which is, story. <laughs> which is what happens way more often nowadays, yeah. right? Like there's yeah. a wink and a nod to right. a time beforehand, but he works, he endeavors to like build it into this current narrative. Yeah, yeah, fleshes, fleshes them out and explores these ideas and makes it all work in his big overall grand scheme. Meta Easter yeah. eggs. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, does anybody have any other things on this issue before we head out for the day? This is just kind of the connective tissue issue. Like, it's the one in the middle, so we're getting, like, oh, people are dying, shit's fucked up, Batman hasn't figured it out yet. Uh, so I feel like there's there's a lot of things that happen in this issue. Um, but in the way... It's, it's not that I like it less than the other, but it, it is moving us along a little bit more. Yeah. Know? Uh, yeah, it's it's great connective tissue. We end the issue with not only these deaths, but um, Knight's been poisoned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is he gonna survive? We don't know. Right. Um. Gosh. Yeah. It's fantastic. Well, I hope the both of you join me tomorrow. Um. For the the final the cap off of this issue. Um. But yeah, Batman six sixty eight. Still like it. Still yep. love it. Yep um yeah and roman mentioned it but if you have not checked out infinity content that is another podcast that uh we put out through our store that roman is on every issue where they do a deep dive uh sort of page by page summary of a different uh graphic novel from the past i know you guys most recently did magneto testament my suspicion is that that was a roman pick <laughs> it, it was and i haven't even listen to a yes we had we had sound issues so okay everyone's <laughs> dealing with trying to get into the pandemic in a different way but i'm excited to listen to that one because magneto testament is a fantastic story and then you can catch us uh in various combinations pretty regularly on the perfectly acceptable podcast um which we do more about weekly summaries of all the issues that come out each week which now actually has a functioning relevance that new comics are coming out again but um but yeah thank you so much for joining me you two love you both my love being here co-host extraordinaires and uh we'll see all of you guys tomorrow for batman 669 nice, <laughs> oh, nice. nice.